Welcome to another episode of our Eagle Perspective podcast. I am joined today by my counterpart in the upper school, my partner, Mrs. Pamela Oden, upper school assistant principal. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you because we work so closely together in so many areas, but I don't think we've really gotten to do this yet. And, you know, I think many people may not know that I kind of inherited a piece of your job. You used to do your current job and mine. I don't know how you did it, uh, but you know, those first couple years I would come to you with so much, how did you do this? And you would just look at me so patiently. And I'm very <laughs> grateful for that. So thank you. Well, you're doing an amazing job and I love what you've done with the student culture and being able to focus so exclusively on that has been wonderful. Well, I have big shoes to fill, but let's do a couple things. We're, we're gonna talk today a lot about um, kids who join us as basically eighth graders and leave as college students and uh, independence and time management and how they kind of learn those skills. But uh, but you got to introduce yourself a little bit first. So I'm going to start with the kids that, that would walk into my office or my classroom when I was teaching and they'd be like, oh my gosh, did you know Miss Odin rides a motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was like you shattered their image of what a school assistant principal could be. Um, so, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about how long you've been at Santa Fe and what brought you here and, and what basically the, the roles that you've had since you've been here. All right. Um, I've been here 21 years and I wasn't looking to come here, but a friend who had applied suggested I look at Santa Fe. I was at a different, um, wonderful Christian school at the time. So I did and applied, and the Lord just made everything work out, and here I am. I came as a math teacher, mm -hmm. and I served as a department chair, and then shifted into administration about 18, 19 years ago. Mm -hmm. and, and am I accurate in saying you are our longest tenured administrator? Yes, that is, yeah. a, that is okay. accurate. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, great. And then you've done, um, you know, in your role as assistant principal, so just for anyone who doesn't know, before my position mm -hmm. existed, you had your current job and my job. Correct. So you have seen the school, the upper school, really through mm -hmm. all facets, through, I mean, right now you're focused a lot on our teachers and academics and mm -hmm. curriculum and, and coaching them, but also everything from student life to discipline mm -hmm. to um, really ramping up our retreat program, right? I think you took that from one retreat to four retreats. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about upper school and uh, in particular, our students. So it's kind of, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, we love the upper school. We both work there. I love getting to meet these freshmen who, you know, are, they're really still eighth graders. I mean, they like, they just really don't know much about what's in store for them. You know, um, one year there was a kid who, like, I think literally the teacher had to tell him how to tie his shoe because he was doing it this old way and it kept coming untied. I mean, that's not normal, right? But, you know, but it it's, it's just, right. And then they walk across the stage four years later and it's 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 sometimes almost hard to, to, yeah. to recognize them compared to their eighth grade self. I mean, they so learn true. a lot of independence and skills that, you know, when they leave us, they're going to be on their own in college, managing their schedule, uh, advocating for themselves. Um, and I know you've played a really big role in kind of rethinking how we do things and how we're intentional about that. So um, maybe you could share a little bit about what inspired you to kind of look at this through that particular lens. What were you seeing that kind of made you say, hey, we need to be intentional about this? Go back to about 2010 through about 2013. Mr. Hannon and I, as 
the years ticked by, we're watching students, and it was this overwhelming sense of the kids were crazy busy. They would have strength and conditioning before school. They'd attend classes all day long. Lunch was 30 minutes. And so in that time, they'd try to eat, um, maybe connect with their peers. They might have a test or quiz to make up, and don't forget clubs and Bible studies. Mm -hmm. It was frenetic. Um, after school, athletics, and go home for homework and SAT or ACT prep. We just thought, oh my goodness, this is it's not healthy, it's not good. Along the same time, hearing from some of our alumni that when they got to college and realized, wow, I've got two full days with no classes, some students had no idea how to navigate the time, yeah. how to look at that reading assignment and say, how do I break this up and ultimately be successful in college because they came from a system where every minute was scripted. So that was kind of growing in our minds and the faculty's minds. So by 2014, we had been looking around at other schools and realizing that our daily schedule could be shifted in ways that would benefit kids. And that's where Power Hour came from. Mm -hmm. Three days a week, our upper school kids have almost a full hour at lunch. Um, doesn't take them long to eat. And then they can make choices. They, our goal is that they look ahead and say, oh, okay, so I have this biology test in two weeks. On Tuesday this week and Thursday next week, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna get extra help during Power Hour with my teacher. If a student spends 20 to 30 minutes with a teacher during lunch, whether it's starting on a homework assignment, um, whether it's preparing for an exam, sometimes it's just revisiting that one concept that didn't make sense, it's phenomenal, the benefits. That first year, we rolled that out as a, um, really just as a pilot. It was for one term. I remember I was so, in the yeah, classroom. It was, it was six hey, weeks. we're gonna try this for six weeks. And yeah. we you know, rolled it out. We trained the students on what was the purpose and what they could do with the time. And it was fine if they needed to take a nap. It was fine if they needed to do homework. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they wanted to go to a club or Bible yeah. study. It also provided a good chunk of time for makeups of tests or quizzes. But the primary goal was for students to look at their upcoming weeks and decide how do I use this time best. Um, we rolled it out and then we put it back to normal after the six weeks were over and we surveyed parents and students. We learned that kids were getting a lot more sleep, that their homework time was more effective because they'd gotten the help earlier. And ultimately, it felt so much calmer. In the years that um, have come since, now we have the block schedule, Tuesday through Friday, which is another huge benefit mm -hmm. for our students yeah. and helps them prepare for the college experience because they don't have class ev right. every class yeah. every day. And they have to plan ahead. You'll look at um, our early freshmen, still kind of eighth graders, and throughout the freshman year, they many will still struggle with, well, that test isn't for two weeks. Yeah. I'll worry about it later. And um, so your freshman seminar, <clears throat> in combination with some of our freshman teachers, Megan Ziegler and Sarah Boffman, the work they do with freshmen to help them begin to think about how to plan well, how to look ahead and actually utilize the time we've, we have planned throughout their day is invaluable. Because, okay, there are adolescents that seem born organized, but for the most part, that's we're not. pretty rare. <clears throat> and yeah, honestly, some, some of the ones who are born organized during the adolescent years, they lose that. For well, a there is bit. that. <laughs> All that brain back. reorganization. Yeah. Sure. Well, uh, yeah. so a couple shout outs. One, Kelly Bonich is also on that freshman team. Yes. And yes. they do some great stuff. Like my favorite, and I, I mean, it sounds silly, but um, 
Megan Ziegler will will walk them through. Here's how you write an email, right? Like, first of all, you should check your email. Yeah, first of all, there <laughs> but is secondly, email. you know, like your email should not say the thing you're asking for right off the so bat. So it shouldn't say, "Yo, yeah, I need a nope. better grade." Right? Like you shouldn't. Like the email shouldn't just be like, "Can I blah blah blah?" Right? Like you should start with. And so it's great because I know I, it, it happens right after she does it. You start getting these emails from kids that are, dear Mr. Siciliano, how is your day today? <laughs> yes. I hope it is going well, right? Um, yeah. But it's a, you know, it's a great little, mm-hmm. little skill for them. Um, and then they, you know, they talk through with them about what does a planner look like? Here are some tools that you could use to, to plan out your week. And I think since we've started doing that, you know, it, it's been, been a big difference as far as them um, getting that mindset of ownership of their schedule. And I don't know if you find this, I find that the, once the kids do that with power hour, mm-hmm. you know, they start to realize where else can I steal minutes, right? Right. Like where else can I, you know, if I have a class where we're working on something and I'm done 20 minutes, well, wait a sec, I might be able to, to get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think before kids would sort of be like, but it's not homework time. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's later, but you know I can't do that now. Um, and so it's been fun to, to kind of see that that shift a little bit. What are some other aspects of the experience that you feel like where we're giving kids that choice and encouraging them to um, take ownership of their time? I think there are a couple of ways. I think about the freshman teachers and the way a major project will be laid out with check-ins and. And did you get this far? Is this done? And, and there are multiple check-ins. By the time students are seniors, not only are there fewer check-ins and, hey, here's this big project, here's when it's due, so that our students have to manage their time. There's also choice from you could do the project this way or you could do it that way mm-hmm. or come to me with a proposal. Yeah. Um, something I hear from alumni so much is how easy it is for them to go to their professors and say, hey, can I meet with you? I have a question about this. And they're intrigued that some of their roommates find that impossible. And I think that's a direct result of being here at Santa Fe because our teachers love their students. They're here to mentor their students and class sizes. So our kids grow up knowing their teachers care about their academic progress and know, know them individually so it's not daunting for them to go to the teacher. Yeah. And that transfers right into the college yeah. environment where they expect their professors to be accessible and they have great results from yeah. that. Yeah, so a couple things stand out and then I have a question for you um, as a parent and grandparent, but um, it is a little counterintuitive that as I'm, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, one of the ways in which we're teaching kids time management is actually by giving them more time and choice. Right. And I think that is counterintuitive because, you know, we sometimes hear a lot from parents about, gosh, my kid's involved in so many things. Should I take them out of something mm-hmm. so that they have time to get their work done? And I know, like, Doug Miller, our athletic director, does a great job of this when he's talking with parents of a lot of times our athletes' grades are better in season yes. than out of season. That's- Absolutely true. Because when they're out of season and they have all this time, they don't know what to do with it, right? When they're in season, it's so regimented. And so we do have to find ways to create that space for them where they actually have to decide. And they might even do it wrong a little bit, right? So to that end, um, because you get parents that, that call, I know, and you've lived this journey yourself of 
you know, I just found out my student hasn't been turning stuff in, and my instinct is I want to I want to grab hold of it and check the grades every day, and I want them to tell me every assignment that's due, and they want to get very involved in that process. So how do you answer that question of, you know, what do I do? Do I need to keep a close watch on them? They're not managing their time well. They're not doing things. What kind of counsel would you give them? A couple things. Um, for most of our students, being engaged socially in co-curricular activities, whether it's athletics or drama or debate or robotics, that's the hook mm. that makes them want to be here and do well in their academics. So I don't usually encourage pulling kids out because they're going to do better. And the data does show that, I'll pick on football, it's an intensive season. And our football players' grades are usually pretty solid during football. It's not unusual for some students' grades to slide once football season's over because it's that sense of, I'll do it later. So we try to work with our families to help them understand the best thing you can do for your student is talk them through what does later look like to you. Because later for most of us means never. Yeah. I'm not going to get to it right. until it's too late and then I panic. Um, one of the students brought a quote to me that um, goes something along the lines of, true freedom is doing what's required of you now so that you have choices later. Hmm. And so I've shared that with a lot of kiddos and parents that use natural consequences and say, hey, if you've turned all your assignments in, then you have the freedom to do something they're looking forward to over the weekend. Yeah. And if they haven't, they simply lose that because they're showing the parent yeah. I didn't manage my time well. So rather than pull them out of things, help them develop the the older, more mature thinking of get it done so that when that invitation comes in to do something socially, I can say yes yeah. because I've accomplished it. Another thing I'm, I'm hearing kind of implied by your answer, too, is it's, it's not a daily check-in. Right. It's, no. it's set a set a benchmark, set a metric, sure. you know, OK, so you've been not turning stuff in or you're really behind, you mm -hmm. know, um, let's let's set a goal of we want these things done a week from now and right. you map out how you're going to do it. But when we meet in a week, it better all be done. The right? other thing I say to parents frequently is ask your student, how can I help you? Um, I don't believe a single student gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to fail today. Yeah. I'm going to not do what I'm supposed yeah. to do. So my parents and my teachers are disappointed. Mm -hmm. They want to be successful. Um, I've had students that have, through the process, discovered that it's better for them if they go to their parent, hand them their phone, and say, I'm going to do homework for the next two hours. Please don't give this back to me. Now, that's very um, shocking when you think about it from an adolescent viewpoint. Who's going to do that? Yeah. But students do. Um, students have found apps that they get rewarded if they don't touch their phone for a certain amount of time. Um, for some Does of that work our, for adults? I could <laughs> well, use that. <laughs> I've tried it, not so much for okay. me. All right. But um, I think there are just different ways to approach it that I think the biggest challenge is if we approach something where we set the standard in such a way that the, once the student fails, there's no reason to keep trying. Yeah. And so we have to always see it as progress. Yeah. They're going to mess up sometimes, just as we do, and not get something done. Um, to the parents, have any of us ever filed for a tax extension because we're just not ready to get all the paperwork <laughs> or something? Yeah. Um, so for our, our students, just to see that it is a time of massive brain reorganization, 
and they're going to drop the ball. Yeah. And for us to be there and say, yeah, okay, so how are we going to move forward? So I can I can hear, you know, people listening or watching and who will say totally philosophically agree with everything you're saying. Amazing. <laughs> awesome. Totally on board. But then you know, for all of us as parents, when it's our mm-hmm. kid mm-hmm. that is the one failing, I mean, I think the tension for parents is I want to allow him him or her to fail, but A also, but I don't want their future to be, right. right? Like this is high school, and if they get a B or a C in this class, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they might not have the options that we're planning on having. Sure. And So how do you as a parent, you know, navigate that? A couple things. There um, is a sense in, um, I'd say nationally, but certainly in our community, that if you're not 4.5 GPA, you're not going to get into the right college, and your life is not going to be wonderful. None of that's true. And when you unpack that as adults, you know it's not true. But our deep love and care for our children and desire to see them do well it can compete with what we know intellectually. And so I think for parents to step back and understand that, first of all, the Lord does have a plan for your child. And we can lean into that. And that has nothing to do with perfection. It has to do with excellence. And so when your child has made some mistakes, picked themselves up, continued to work hard, and earned that B or C, I think that's something to celebrate. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. They completed it. So that's great. Um, particularly for our freshmen and sophomores, it happens. They may not get straight A's, and, and that is okay. Colleges are looking at the upward trajectory in a student's um, transcript. Yes, it matters what your grades are, but there are so many colleges that are excellent colleges. Another thing I ask parents to do is go back and look up some important people and find out where did they go to college and what was their GPA. It's amazing how hard that is to find. (laughs) And it's just a way to illustrate that your GPA is not the end all or be all. It's one metric. It's simply one metric. And, you know, God forbid that, you know, we, we, we have, I mean, obviously, we want our kids to be as successful as possible, and a lot of them go to amazing, you know, Ivy League and similar mm-hmm. colleges. But yes. we also want them to be successful when they're there. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just about getting there. And so, if we're shortcutting the process, mm-hmm. and they're not getting the tools, the independence, the time management, the things we're talking about, and then they end up there and they struggle. You know, right. so far away from home and on their own for the first time, and we certainly don't want that either. I, I would add that colleges are also looking for students that have struggled and learned how to overcome. Hmm. And so certainly that can be in things that happen in a a young person's life, but it can be in academics as well. I struggled with this course, and here's what I did, and here's how I managed to find a way forward. They know students are gonna hit the wall in college at some level, and the student that has never struggled and learned how to succeed sometimes has a much more difficult time in college than the student who really struggled in high school. Many times those students have learned how to learn versus it just coming easily to them. So I agree. We can't short-circuit the process and ultimately continue to walk with our kids, not looking at grades every day. Uh, That makes the parents uh, a little crazy, and the students (laughs) can become incredibly defensive. Yeah, I found the uh, parent-student relationship doesn't get better by the daily grade checking. Exactly. That's just my experience in Um, watching. Some parents tell their students, hey, if you ever earn less than you had hoped for, come tell me, and we'll talk about it. 
And if you fail something and don't tell me, we're going to have a deeper conversation. Mm. And that's a way to put the responsibility back on the student. It's their grades. It's their responsibility to ask for help when they need it. And that, I think, works best. So what other counsel would you have for parents who are coming alongside? I mean, we're a parent partnership school, right? And so right. You, you have walked this journey as a teacher, as an administrator, as a parent, as someone now who has grandparents coming through the school. What counsel would you give to them of how best to partner with us in mm. this particular way of, in, of ensuring their students graduate with these skills that we're talking about? I think it comes down to having a much larger and longer perspective. We know that our kids are gonna make mistakes. I look back through my life and I think about my biggest mistakes and realize they were the choice opportunities to learn and to grow. And I think as a parent, particularly with your first child, there's this fear that I'm gonna mess them up or I gotta protect them from the big failures. Instead, I would say, lean back into we know that the Lord has our kids in the palm of their hand. Mm. He loves them more than we do. I need to be more prayerful and more compassionate when my kids make mistakes because they're going to. When they're here and surrounded by faculty and staff and administrators and coaches who love the Lord and love the student and believe the best in the student and know that student's going to grow through their mistakes, then I think we should all be able to just take a a breath, relax. Um, I think in terms of steps and, and what kind of advice I would give is be prayerful. Remind yourself of what you know you know and what you believe in. Be there to support your child and know that we're all growing. We're going to make mistakes. And obviously you're going to love your child through it. But to partner with the school, and if there's a, a big issue going on, let the school know so that we can partner and pray through with you, as well as provide resources around that student. Yeah, it's it's probably a trendy scripture to quote, but you know you think about James one yeah. and the value of trials and what they develop, and um, hard to do that without any trials. And right. I had a um, a dad here um, who was also a co-chair, Steve Armendaris, but you mm. know gave me a line that has stuck with me of try to prepare your child for the path, not the path for your child. Mm. And uh, so I've had to catch myself in my early parenting journey for sure of, okay, wait a sec, don't change the path. How am I helping her navigate, you know, Mm. uh, this, this challenge in her path? Easier said than done, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But well, Pam, thank you so much for uh, for you. joining us and for your many years of service here and um, the job you do with our kids with our teachers with our parents I mean you know you can look back over over your time here and and really in all the areas of our community have had such an impact mm-hmm. at various stages and I know having inherited a piece of your job <laughs> I am grateful for this structure in place um, that is helping our kids be a little more independent and, and skills that I think we all agree are really important. So thank thank you. you. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening and for watching. If this is your first time checking out our podcast, we do have other episodes of our Eagle Perspective podcast. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, elsewhere podcasts are found. You can watch us our video episodes on YouTube. We look forward to seeing you again soon.